Welcome to the Eastern Current Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Judd Brock, here today with another episode. On today's episode, I sit down with Captain Mike Bell, and we discuss fishing after major cold fronts. We discuss how big temperature swings can affect redfish and speckled trout and where you'll find them as the water temperatures drop. We also go over a few key baits and lures that we like to use when the water's really cold. We hope you'll enjoy. If you haven't already, check out Eastern Current on Patreon. There you'll find our weekly Ramp Talk podcast with me and Mike discussing our days on the water on the way to the boat ramp in the morning. You'll also find extra video content there that you can't find anywhere else. 2023 is a big year for Eastern Current. We're bringing on Captain Cameron Pappas of Blackbird Guide Service and Captain Ozzy of Marker 23 Charters to host their own Eastern Current podcast here on the Eastern Current platform. They'll be bringing on great guests you haven't heard before, and I know you'll enjoy their podcast. Well, guys, thanks for checking out Eastern Current, and here's the show. Guys, welcome to the last podcast of 2022. It's uh, the day after Christmas. I'm sitting in my garage. It's 17 degrees out. Michael is uh, he's awake, hiding somewhere in his house, not to wake anybody up. And uh, we're recording the last podcast of the year, so we're uh, excited for 2023. We got some big things coming, and uh, just you know, more podcasts, more content. Our goal for 2023, our big one, is um, we're going to put out a podcast every single week which is going to be an easy one to do. But the tough one that we're going to go for is a fishing video every single week on YouTube. So if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, we've been getting after it the past few weeks with on the water fishing content every single week. Um, and, and we're, we're stoked to be be doing that. It does take a lot of work, but um, it is, it, it is really fun content to make and put out there. So check out Eastern current fishing or just Eastern current on YouTube. You'll find us and you'll be able to see what we've been doing the past couple of weeks, but we're going to throughout the whole year, um, do a lot of fishing right around home and do a good bit of, of local traveling, you know, down into South Carolina, up into Virginia a little bit. We've got some cool trips planned and uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring you all some good fishing content that's educational and fun to watch. But Mike, how you doing? Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, man, it was a good one. A little traveling last week and got back on Friday, hanging out back here and at home, actually getting ready to go fishing today. Um, it's been a good holiday. How about you? It, it was good, man. It was good. We're actually heading to Raleigh today, so that'll be uh, that'll be fun with the kiddos. Two hours in the car. Some last time it couldn't go any better than last time. They, Hank, the the youngest, slept the whole way to Raleigh, which has never happened before. And Fletcher was just happy and in a good mood. If that happens again today, I'll be very very happy. But um, man, what do you expect for the fishing today? We've had such a cold front. I mean, it's what is it, seventeen degrees outside right now? 17 degrees out right now and i just checked the uh the ocean temperature yesterday the ocean temp was like 51 Ooh. so i know the yeah i know the marsh is gonna be chilly chilly so in the 40s um, yeah probably i was gonna say probably 46 47 now what do you expect uh, to see from the redfish i know we'll probably got the same expectations but it's just easier for me to ask you what what do you you know going out there with the water being in the 40s, what do you expect to see from those redfish? And do you think it's dangerous? Is it dangerous? Because, like, Texas had a big freeze, and they just shut down a lot of their fisheries. I mean, I think redfish are a lot hardier, but, like, speckled trout, it can be dangerous to go try to catch these fish. Could you kill them in this temperature? Um, I definitely think you could kill them. Um, I think a lot of it is they're closing down the fishery until they can figure out if they got cold stuns, cold kills, that kind of stuff. Um. You know, it, like you said, I think redfish are pretty hardy. I don't think that's going to be um, a major effect on them. 
So like they're gonna they're gonna be schooled up super tight right now with how cold the water is. Um, they're probably gonna be sitting pretty deep as well, just because of it being so cold. Maybe this afternoon. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm not even gonna get on the water till I think around twelve thirty one. Yeah. But um, I'm hoping that sun get up today. It's gonna be a high tide kind of in the middle of the day, so which is a bummer. But um, you know, I think that'll warm up everything just a little bit. And hopefully the specialists start to fill that, get get excited, you know, get moving around a little bit more. But definitely be cold, lethargic, just sitting on the bottom, probably school up super tight. Um, probably going to be actually hard to even see them just because of the fact that they're going to be moving so slow and just sitting there. Yeah, um, a lot of laid up fish. But, yeah, they're, just, they're not going to be cruising. They're not going to be moving all, a whole lot. So... But I feel no, like I mean, today is probably a mission just to locate fish after this cold front as opposed to – because we got hit with the cold front and Christmas yeah. at the same time, so we're all off the water. It's, it's yep. a big unknown of like, all right, what's going on out there? No, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, that's kind of the point of today. Today's a scouting mission. Go out and just see what I can put my eyes on. We, You know, you got duck hunting trips this week. I got fishing trips this week. So, um this like said, scouting mission is number one. B, I mean, we can catch a few fish, especially as cold as it is. It's going to be fishing something, something probably super small and super slow. Um, these are the days that I actually feel like a fly rod would outdo a spinning rod sometimes, you know. Um, just you can get such a soft cast, get it right in front of their face and move it so slow that that material has always got a little bit of movement so you don't just let it sit there and just wiggle in front of them on its own oh for sure for um, sure yeah but um yeah no we'll see river fishing some this week too so i have a feeling all the fish are either gonna be gone or they're going to probably be sitting deep. I'm kind of curious to see what the river temp's going to be like. I have a feeling it'll be a little bit better than the ocean temp. A little more stable. Um, yeah, so maybe it won't mess with them quite as much, but I definitely know that river temp's going to have dropped, you know, I think last week. Uh, last day I fished, it was 56, 57, somewhere in there. So I would assume that it's definitely dropped some, but I don't think it's dropped probably quite to 50, 52, you know, right, in that right. low, low 50s. Um, so we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, heck yeah. It's uh, it's always so stressful, This these big cold snaps this time of year. The nice thing is it does yeah. usually get those redfish starting to school really, really heavy. Uh, but, yeah. but it is, you know, it does put a damper on it for a few days, and it sucks to run the boat when it's 17 degrees outside. Your face is freezing. Yeah, I was going to say your hands are frozen, your face is freezing, your push pole gets wet, and then you don't even want to touch it. I forgot about that. I I forget about that every year until I go to grab it when it's wet, and it's like, oh my gosh, this stinks. Uh Uh-huh. I was going to say, I always have, well, this year, I've set my game up. I got some waterproof and windproof gloves, but last year I had windproof, which was nice running the boat, but when you had to grab that push pole, it was miserable. Yeah, that that's a good thing to bring up. Honestly, is is the crabber gloves like the commercial crabbing gloves? They're rubber coated with wool inside, and they're cheap. They're like five mm-hmm. to seven bucks, and they are the best glove for running a boat in the wintertime. You can get your yep. hand wet, and and that that wool stays not. I mean, you, obviously, if you get the water in the glove, it doesn't help. But 
Um, you can dip your hand in the water. They, they're not great. I've never tried to pull in them, but I always run in them, uh, and, and yeah. I'll take them off. I just and I haven't found a glove like a winter glove that I can pull in. It just is so uncomfortable. I feel like I can't grip the the pole. Well, do you have a pull that, or a glove that you pull in when it's really cold, Mike? I'm gonna be trying the new ones that I got today. They were just a I don't want to say they were a cheap pair. They were like 15 bucks from um, Costco, but they're they're not wool lined, but they're like that smart fleece or whatever, smart wool yeah, yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so they're pretty low profile, pretty thin gloves um, that are windproof and waterproof. So I'm going to give it a shot today see what happens. But it's supposed to warm up into the 40s today. I think it's the first day that we're out of the 20s and 30s, finally. So I'm hoping with that, you know, it'll be a, the fish will maybe move a little bit more. So maybe it'll be a little bit more bearable, and our wind's supposed to drop out to pretty much nothing this week, it looks like. Yeah, this whole week looks so. awesome. Looks like a good week to go offshore fishing. Yeah. I was going to say, if, you, if you're in the offshore game, this this week is going to be probably the last good days of it before we get into that January, February, March, northeast blow time. Yeah, for sure. So It's been... Uh, it's been pretty windy all all winter and fall, and and this week is very enticing looking. A lot of three to eight mm. mile an hour wind days and sunny skies. Cold, but you know, calm out in the ocean for sure. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, the winter time, like the wintertime fishing, I'm always excited about. But once Christmas rolls through and is gone, it's like I'm almost ready for spring again already. I feel like we haven't we haven't even gotten to winter yet, but I'm like I'm almost tired of the cold. Like as long as hunting season's in, I'm good. But as soon as hunting season ends, I'm like, all right, I want springtime. <laughs> it's it's tough for me to to stay. It's just everything locks into a pattern that is so kind of to me. The fishing is still good, but it's boring. It's it's the same thing every day. Like there's not much changing going on for quite a few weeks and then it then it starts to shift a little bit which is fun it's a great time of year to come catch a ton of fish if you can locate them and go on a, on a day that they want to feed well but yeah it's uh i don't know it's just it just the re, the redundancy of uh, how similar each day is is what i think what keeps me on is not as interested for sure no I, I get that i mean you know it's kind of school fishing every single day and there's only so many schools and there's not a ton of people out fishing them, but there's, you know, a decent number these days. So it's almost more of a chess game of making sure you get a spot than it is like fishing and actually finding fish, if that makes sense. Right. It's so. continually looking looking for new fish and then just making sure you, you make the moves to your schools when you can. And uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's that kind of ballet of moving correct, exactly right with the tide, being in the spot as soon yep. as you possibly can. Which is fun. It's cool to know the know the water that well, like know the exact inch that you can get into a spot. And a lot of it yeah. ends up being like, you know, getting to an area the shallowest you can possibly get to it. You know, these fish will kind of lock themselves back in an, in an area, and it uh, it can be kind of tough to, to get in there at tides. And, and then when you slide in there right at the right tide, it's usually better fishing. That tide gets kind of high, and it's hard to stay with the fish. They move around in the marsh. But that, that's just talking redfish. And I really, if we live near more of a, you know, a still water fishery or non-tidal fishery, like, you know, the New River for sure. But if we were up on the Pamlico, I would be trout fishing a lot this time of year. And it, I feel like I'd be more engaged in the trout fishing. It just gets so tough here when it gets really cold after that really, really cold, cold snap. I mean, those fish are 
in in deep you know basins and marinas and canals and stuff like that and just a little bit harder to target yeah i was gonna say i mean i feel like we we lose a lot of fish when we have these kind of big cold snaps and that's just because like you said i mean we we got constant current flow and constant tidal movement so no matter what these fish are looking for the very few areas that don't have that current for them to lay up and just be completely lethargic yeah they want to be able to burn no energy at all if they don't have to yep so Uh, i feel like a lot of our river fish this is like you know we had a pretty good fall i feel like even beginning of winter but you know it it could be the end of our trout fishing kind of in the river it could be um not that a striper will leave or striper should be fired up and fishing gets pretty good right now i would think there should be a lot more fish moving up shallow um, they may have dropped off a little deeper just because of the you know, cold front, but once that kind of passes and the water temperature stabilizes and all the pressures and stuff kind of stabilize, I feel like the striper will be fired up for a little while with that cold temperature. Yeah. And definitely. then with the red fish, you know, in the river, I mean, it's going to be just a, a finding them game. They're going to be schooled up somewhere. So it's just finding, you know, are they schooled up shallow? Are they schooled up deeper on drop-offs or structure? Or, you know, this is going to be a game of finding them, but once you find them in there, you know, you should be able to find a decent number of them. Well, this is that December or that, that January trout fishing too, where it's like if you go on the right days, you, you can catch a giant. You know, you watch those weather patterns. Yep. You wait for those warming days. It warms for two or three days, and then the day that that next cold front's coming in, you go fish. I mean, that's when you catch the big ones. That's when you can kind of yep. guarantee a big fish. I mean, not guarantee, but if you're going to go fish a day and try to catch a really big speckled trout, that's the time. And it's crazy to watch yep. Instagram light up. You'll see these cold fronts throughout the year, mm-hmm. throughout the winter, where, you know, there's – you're just seeing normal fish pictures, and all of a sudden it's like, bam, your feet is stock full of, like, you know, 27 to 30-inch trout. And it's you look at the weather, you're like, oh, that makes sense. You know, we just had a big front. It was 70 degrees for two days, and now it's 30 degrees again, and – they were all caught that yeah. that day that it, the temperature started dropping. So they're they're just th- that's what's cool about trout for me is like. But I just wish we I wish we were closer to the Pamela And I think as our content growth, you know, continues, Mike, it'll be fun to to travel more throughout the year. You know, when it, it could because you know yeah. as YouTube grows a little bit and it makes sense to take days off of guiding to go put out some more videos. Um, that that'll be you know it'll be something we can do a lot easier. For sure. It's uh, that Pamlico fishery just calls my name this time of year. Though the the trout fishing is so much fun. <laughs> I know. I was gonna say like we've, I mean we've traveled up there. Well, you traveled up to Bellhaven and went to uh, do some trout fishing up there not too long ago. And me and you traveled up uh, New Bern area to do some trout fishing. And I don't know. It just it almost feels more like bass fishing than it does to, um like our trout fishing down here, at least to me, just because it's so still and you're just moving around slowly, you're actually able to like hold the spot, you know, and not like pumping the trolling motor and everything else. It's just such a different fishery. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. We did a video up there with our buddy Matthew from CCA and uh, targeting trout and stripers. And, and we didn't, I mean, just all side scan, using side scan to locate fish. Yeah. We could have literally just never got on plane the whole day. We just kept finding fish as we were idling from spot to spot. And, you know, then we finally made some big runs around. But but the the best fishing that we had was all just 
near the ramp using side scan. So that video is going to be coming yep. out in not not this week, not next week, but the next week it'll drop. So <laughs> we've got a uh, to on Tuesday. So you'll actually no no today it'll drop. It's a uh, Georgetown, South Carolina video over on YouTube. You can check out. And then next week, a surf fishing video here. We're catching redfish and pompano and whiting. And then the next week will be um, stripers and trout and newburn, which y'all, I'm sure y'all will love that one. And we're, I was just talking to Matthew actually yesterday. We're going to try to get back up there and do like a just strictly striper video. If you're ready for that, That's Mike. Sweet. Heck yeah, I'm stoked for that. Hopefully we'll find some, uh, a few. well, I mean, we found some good fish last time, but we also found a lot of small fish. Yeah, we were, tar- I think targeting those trout and fishing the smaller baits kind of did that. I mean, that's the thing about a striper. Yeah. You can catch a 14-inch striper on a 7-inch bait. I mean, and same with trout. You'll see that yeah. happen with trout. But I think if we get up there and really target the structure and just fish the structure and side scan, look for big marks and throw bigger baits, we should be yeah. should be game on. For sure. But so. Well, uh, here's, well, here's something I kind of want to jump into is upcoming year, 2023. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to fishing-wise, you know, as the seasons change that – um, you know, obviously we've got a whole year ahead of us. We've got different seasons, different fish, you know, that we target different parts of the year. What are you looking forward to doing this year? I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited for probably April, May. Um, you know, we kind of, we kind of shift our focus from the river. Not that there's not fish in the river during January, February, March, but the fish that are in the river kind of set up differently than the fish up in the marsh. So, I always enjoy the marsh, but, you know, I spent 95% of my trips this year down in the river and um, fishing a lot down there. And I think that just, that area just kind of stole my heart this year. So um, I'm excited to get back down there in April, May, start seeing cruising fish once these schools start to break up. Um, and we, you know, water temperature starts to warm up. The fish start moving back in from the ocean or moving north, um, migrating back in. So the water's just crystal clear and you can see forever down there. Um, as long as you don't have a super rainy spring or anything. But um, I think that's probably one of my favorite times of the year. It's just amazing. You don't catch, let's say, a ton of fish, but you see a lot of fish. You get some you know, really like, good shots sight fishing-wise, too. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's like, you know, you might see 100 fish in a day and get 15 good shots. They're a lot tougher to get them to eat, I feel like. You know, your conversion rate, some days are only going to be maybe one fish, two fish. But like you said, you get a, you see a lot of fish, you get a lot of good shots. Um, and I think last year, I mean, you had some fish that were sitting in just inches of water pretty much. Um, it's crazy. So anyways, that I'm excited for. Um, getting, you know, last year I did a decent amount of bait fishing with some people and a decent amount of bait fishing trips and just expanding on that. So like this past year, I've only low tide fish just about every single day. Um, and even, you know, no matter what I was trying to low tide fish. So I think this year, you know, being able to capitalize more on high tide fishing and some different things. Um, I'm excited for that. So expanding my, my area, my tide cycles a little bit. So, and being able to bait fish during the summer is some days just a really productive way of putting a, you know, a few extra fish in the boat on those higher tides. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that's, uh, 
that's one thing that's good to hear because I feel like so, so often for year after year we can get sucked into doing what we're comfortable with and I think each year moving into it you know a new fishing season we need to look at it as like all right what do I need to spend time doing how can I get better at this what's going to make me a more well-rounded angler and in return help me catch more fish yeah. when I'm out on the water and um, you know fishing those tides that you're uncomfortable with or um, you know fishing a, a different style of bait or a different way and the one thing I really want to start doing is fishing fishing my bait casters more when sight fishing I have I, you know it's something I've always wanted to do and I and I do yeah. use them to sight fish but but really getting dialed in because I feel like that's such a good tool if I'm not fly fishing um, to use for sight fishing I really think that the kind of breakdown is like a fly rod is the most productive sight fishing tool than a bait caster than a spin rod so yeah excuse me I had my morning burp right there I had to turn away from the from the mic for a second um, but yeah I mean I, the the other thing too that I really want to try to figure out is our the triple tail in our river. I don't know why, but recently I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And and I talked to the crabbers down there a bunch, and there's there's periods of time where they're seeing a triple tail on every other crab pot buoy, and and that's something I really want to spend some time to do. And I think it's one of those things that it's not it's not going to be difficult. You know, if the water clarity is like it was this past summer, it's just taking the time to run a bunch of crab pots and see if those triple tail are there because. They're going to orient to those yeah. crab pots. They're going to find those crab pots in those channels. Those those crab pots are st- strategically placed, you know, along edges and channels that fish are already going to be traveling, just like the crabs are traveling. So um, it, it just makes right. sense that they set up on that kind of structure. Not that they won't set up on a dock or set up on a piling or anything like that, but those crab pots, I think they really like, especially when that grass gets piled up on the buoys. But uh, have you have you spent much time triple tail or looking for triple tail here or looking at crab pot buoys? I've looked at a few, but I've never, like, hit it good or anything. Um, this past summer, I hit a couple out off the beach that I found, and we just didn't make good ca- good cast on them. Um, me and Jeff had one day kind of out off the, off the beach, and um, we hooked one, or fed one, and pulled them off. But, you know, I saw a few laid up out there just floating in the open ocean. Um, never really spent a whole lot of time on the inside, though, looking for them. Um, they're funny but, fish it's like you get one shot at them after they see yeah. whatever you throw at them once it gets very hard unless you're throwing live bait it gets very hard to, to get them to eat yeah well and i think too like um you know this would be something to play with but you know not knowing if you're i don't know if it'd be better on high tide low tide you know do the fish move in and out do they only stay out on the river do they move up into the creek crab pot you know that kind of stuff yeah so um getting into the right location if that makes sense Most of really finding them so Most definitely. but i think something else that i'm looking forward to this year is a little bit more sheep fed fishing um i don't know if you notice it but i feel like this year at least me myself and i have found a lot of sheep fed this year a lot of sheep fed um just pulling banks and looking for redfish you know seem like half the oyster bars that i passed by had sheep that tailing on them or moving around on them and that kind of stuff. So I'd love to start tying up some, you know, smaller shrimp flies and different stuff like that. Um, just to have some presentations that are easier for those sheep head to feed on. So I think that'll be a fun, a fun fish to target some more this year. We fed, you know, a handful this past year, never landed one, but fed a few. So, um, landed, you know, a bunch, not a bunch, but, had a couple good days where we landed four or five on spinning gear and different things just with live shrimp or cut shrimp. So I'm excited to try to sight fish them. It's, I feel like kind of an untapped 
resource that we have here that it doesn't happen every year but the years that it does happen that we have a lot of fish in the marsh feeding around on all the oyster bars you know like this year was just insane i feel like every day i had at least probably two to five shots right uh making it worth it yeah it was definitely uh would be fun to do so yeah those are fun fish they're like i'm gonna call them the cape fear river permit because they are so tough to get them to eat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but even the black drum, man, we found some spots the past couple of years where we get really good, consistent shots throughout the summer at black drum, and those jokers are hard to get to eat a fly too. Like you think um, that oh, yeah. they they wouldn't be, and that's what's so crazy is you go down to Louisiana and the sheep's head and black drum will eat anything. I mean, you can throw a spinner bait and a sheep's head will eat a spinner bait. I, I just don't understand what the difference is between. It's not like it's more pressure because not many people fish for sheep's head, but. If it's a different strand of sheep's head, like it's slightly different subspecies, or I don't know. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, I remember the first time that we, that I caught a sheep's head on artificial there, like blind casting. We caught them on like you know jigs and flies and stuff when you'd see them in sight fish. But you'd be throwing a, a chatterbait and reeling it in, and you like you feel this like pretty good bite, and nothing's there. And then you feel another good bite, nothing's there, and then all of a sudden you get the bait to the boat, and like a sheep's head's right behind it, and it takes off. And so we started when we get those, like if we get a bite or two and miss it, we just stop it and start jigging it. And then we started hooking all those sheep's head, but they'll eat it like 10 times, like just trying to get the bait in their mouth until they get the hook. And that would never happen here. It's just so different than what we, what we see. I mean, that, that's one of the strangest, I mean, the big fish in the marsh in Louisiana, that's cool. But like the fact that sheep's head will eat a chatter bait or spinner bait is honestly cooler to me than, than any big red fish. I mean, it, it, and it's overlooked, but it's just crazy how aggressive those fish are. Yeah. Well, I think for me, it's just like how crazy, like how crazy close you can get to them. You know, I feel like a lot of times you, you know, you point out fish to your angler on the bow or something and, you know, they don't see them or they got to wait another five feet for them, get a little closer to get the exact view that they need or the angle that they need to be able to see them. And, you know, a lot of times the shots that I'm getting at sheep's head are when I'm moving down the bank and I just catch a flash like right off the corner of the boat. And it's almost like, too close of a shot to make and those fish aren't spooked they're not leaving you know but they're they're just sitting there i think they're, they're just so preoccupied looking at the bottom yeah you know, you know I mean? and they they just kind of lose what's going on around them and i think it's it's an awesome it's awesome to be able to get you know a 10 foot shot at a fish like that absolutely um you know and you're able to watch them and see all their cool you know see their stripes but when you really see them in the water like catching sun and spinning and tailing and all their and they've got a lot of really cool electric blue just like the redfish do in their tail and different stuff like that so yeah i agree man they're they're super cool fish yeah so tell me a little bit i'm sorry keep going i was just gonna say i think they're good for clients to see because it really sets up like all right this is what i'm looking for um, you know, and it, it gives you the chance to kind of talk them through if they've never done it before, or if they're a little rusty or whatever, you know, all right, there's his head, this is where I need to land the fly, that kind of stuff, you know, it's a good practice fish because you can see everything that's happening right there for the angler on the bow. Right. right. And it happens for redfish, but a lot of times, you know, you're making that longer 30, 40 foot cast and all where you may not be able to see everything if you're the angler. So definitely i think a lot of it too is the sheep that are just they won't get quite as shallow oftentimes as the redfish so it it happens a little closer but then when you do see them they just show up they pop i mean they contrast against the bottom so much more than a redfish does 
so you can just yeah. see it so well. The people, the anglers on the bow can really, you know, see how they orient to the fly, where their fly goes. And and the, sh- the, the sheep said they're honest. I mean, if you put a bait in there without spooking them, they're going to at least come up and look at it. They'll get your heart yep. going quite often because you're like, oh, my gosh, he's going <laughs> to eat it, he's going to eat it, he's going to eat it. And then they just turn and swim off. And they usually swim slowly about three feet, and then they, like, take off. Kind of like how yeah. I was as a kid where, like, I had to go do something at night in the house, and I was scared where, like, I – I kind of walked slowly to like the the dark room and would do what I needed to do. Like, say I needed to go get my phone or something, and I'd sprint back to my room as soon as I felt like I made some good distance from from that that room because <laughs> I didn't know what was behind me. <laughs> it kind of feels like that's how the sheep's head are. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's uh, they're they're a fun fish though. So, Mike, did you get anything fishing related for Christmas? Anything cool to talk about? And I already I know did. you did, so I'm just kind of teeing this this question up for you. <laughs> Um, no, so my wife, she actually got me the, uh, the cordless battery powered bubble blade electric fillet knife. You're like a straight up Cajun uh, boy now, Louisiana boy. Uh huh. Well, you know, by the time you get to back up, I ran up to the end of a trip and you're one thing, depending on where you're at listening, you know, some places we've been, I've been to Alaska. I didn't really get to fish in Alaska, but got to go up. You know, I took and went up there and hung out for a week for our anniversary a few years ago. And, like, every boat ramp, every marina has some kind of fish cleaning station or something like that. And North Carolina just doesn't have that. You go to Florida, a lot of the boat ramps down in Florida have those options. Um, you know, a lot of states provide stuff like that for their boat ramp users. Um, North Carolina just so, really does not care about the recreational angler. The more and more I think about it, it's like they really don't. I mean, it's sad. Yeah. So. Well, and I think too, like you know, you look at a boat ramp here, and you see how trashed it is, or how untaken care of it is. I mean, at the same time, I don't blame them for not wanting to spend our taxpayer dollars to put something in that people are just going to destroy and ruin anyway. But it would be really nice to have some of that. But anyways digressing um another another podcast topic there yeah so you know but having um having that corded or cordless uh, electric fillet knife i think it's gonna be awesome just making my time at the ramp a lot quicker cleaning fish at the end of the day for you know for clients and getting them setting on their way it's you know great when you go out and you have a good day of fishing and you come back with you know a couple redfish and trout flounder or whatever but I don't mind doing trout and flounder with a standard fillet knife, but redfish are just so big and so bony and tough um, that, you know, one fish might take you, depending on how good of a fillet job you do, you know, it might take you 10 to 15 minutes to clean up one fish really well and make it look good and presentable for your client. So um, I think this will take and save a lot of time on that and just making that fillet job five times faster you know yeah so do you think there's going to be a learning curve with that electric fillet knife because isn't it kind of two blades going against each other like a almost like a chopping uh, of of a sense but do you think it's have you have you used one is it tougher to use an electric fillet knife or is it almost easier i really like it i mean i grew up using one um and all when i was a kid you know we you had one back in college didn't you Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So right. you know, like I, I've used one for forever as far as cleaning fish goes, but it's just one of those things. I mean, I have an outlet in my truck, but then my truck has to be running. I have to have an extension cord and blah 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 blah. So it's just something I've never taken advantage of. Um, 
to clean fetch here. So now that this is cordless, got like four different blade sets on it. So you got some, some stiffer blades, you got some flexible blades. So I think it'll be a be a fun tool to have and something to uh, learn kind of a new a new process. Um, hopefully making things quicker at the ramp, you know. Definitely, um, definitely, definitely. I I can it. only imagine though that it, the one thing that'll be tough is taking the meat off of the skin for the speckle trail. Or, or do you think you know, that's easier? Uh, well, see, and I don't know about with, with, uh, speckled trout because their, their skin's just so thin. Yeah. But I mean, with the redfish, I don't think it's going to, no, the redfish is going to be a beast. But, um, I'll still keep a standard fillet knife because you won't be able to clean a flounder with it. Right. Right. Uh, right. That makes sense. But you know, for your trout, your redfish, your standard normal fish body, um, even if it just gets the fillets off the body and down to where they're just attached to the skin that right there is what takes the most time at least for me whenever i'm doing redfish because i kind of you know trace it out cut through all the scales and the skin right, and then i work right. my way in slowly down to the backbone flip it over start at the bottom work my way up or hill up the top and then go over the backbone and down and um i'll clean the redfish all the way out to the tail and then stop and then come back up and slowly work my way up the edge of the rib cage and get almost everything but the pin bones out and then cut around the rib cage. So for me, that's, you know, not that I'm slow at it, but it still just takes a lot of time. For so sure. For sure. Be, you know, it'd be nice to have something that'll tear through those bones and those rib cages and that kind of stuff a lot quicker and all those big scales. So I think the biggest thing is just going to be trying to keep it clean. Um, because we, we don't have, you know, fresh water at every ramp or anything. So Just remembering to clean it um, when you get home. Yeah, exactly. Breaking it down, just taking care of it, keeping it clean. So make sure the blades will last. So um, my, uh, I got a, something I'm pretty excited about for Christmas. It's it's not nothing too exciting, actually. But Hannah got me the new, or I, they're not that new, but the Extra Tough Pros. So they're shorties, like the normal Extra Toughs, but they've got like the tennis shoe style sole in them. So they've got a lot more support and comfort, and I was wearing them around yesterday, and dude, they're they're going to be life changing. I got a bad knee and a bad back already. I don't know why I'm only 31, but I feel like I'm much older, and uh, that's going to be a game changer for me. I started wearing Hoka's this summer, which are goofy looking dad tennis shoes, but those were awesome. I just have worn flip flops for so long, and and even yeah. like boat shoes that I've I've worn a ton of different boat shoes, but just no support, just real flat like a flip flop. And it's really yep. jacked me up. And wearing those hokas just, I'll get off the water and be a lot more comfortable. So I think that's one thing to remember. If you're if you're fishing a bunch and standing on a boat all day long, good support is, is important. And you can really jack your back up. But this isn't a, a health and wellness podcast. This is a fishing podcast. So we're not going to get too deep into that. But, well, I mean, that's, if anybody that fishes a, a lot, like you said, that is something that they are going to notice very quickly. Just being on a boat. Um, you know, every single day, all the way it moves, the way you're moving and getting up and down, especially for like us getting up and down off the back deck onto the polling right, platforms right. and standing on that, your, your feet, well, at least for me, like I know when I'm pulled, my feet don't hardly move when I'm on the platform. Right. Um, you know, once I kind of get up there, I get in my spot, that's, that's where I'm at. Unless I'm, you know pushing quickly or something and just looking for fish or whatever. But once I kind of get in that zone, 
I kind of try to eliminate every possible bit of movement on the boat that I possibly can. And that includes me not moving my feet or wiggling around on the polling platform. So, you know, I might be stuck in one spot for 30 minutes. My feet never move. Um, so, you know, that's something that a lot of people don't realize or don't think about, especially if you're up on the bow using the trolling motor, fishing by yourself a lot. You know, you got that ability to move around and kind of change your positioning and that kind of stuff. Right. But a lot of times when you're on the polling platform, you, depending on who you are, you know, you may not move your feet a whole lot. That's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is nice to wear something comfortable. I mean, it just extends the amount of time that I can be out there and fish. If I go out there yeah. barefoot or with flip flops on, like my back is firing by the end of the day, and it just makes it so much easier to to focus on fishing when I'm not worried about my knees and my back standing on the boat all day. I hate that that's yep. even something I talk about now, but I guess I'm getting older. <laughs> Part of growing up. Well, Mike, tell me, uh, tell me today's 17 degrees. We already talked about it a little bit, but you're about to hit the water here soon. What are you going to have tied on, on your rods when you get out there? Um, I was actually debating that earlier or yesterday when I threw some rods in the Did boat. Did you order any of those? Um, what are the, what was it called? Little John's. You ordering little John's? I have not. I want to go by probably tomorrow, uh, morning before my trip starts. Might run up to the tackle store and see if I can find a few. Um, but I think what I'm going to start with today is actually going to be the Z-Man um, little TRDs. Yep. And just they're the going to standard be in, uh, stick bait or, any, or the ticklers or anything like that? No, just the standard stick bait. Nice. I think it's going to be so cold that these fish are not going to want to have a whole lot of movement. You know, a little bit is going to be good. And I think that, you know, that standard stick bait with a very short jig head. Um, so there's a lot of movement, um, in that bait itself yeah. will be enough to, you know, get those fish to fire up and I might throw a little procure or something on there just to have a little scent. A little scent. Yeah. Cause I mean, this thing, you know, it's going to be tied moving. Those baits will move a little bit just sitting there on the bottom. So I think that with a little bit of scent is going to be pretty much all you need, all you're going to need. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I'll probably do is either probably a little voodoo shrimp, like a little 2.75 voodoo. Um, just the ability to cast it over like a DOA or something like that. It's a smaller profile and more realistic look. Um, it's got a few antenna, a little bit of leg movement, a little softer plastic than a DOA or a standard soft plastic. So um, I feel like it kind of bridges that gap, at least in movement from, you know, a standard soft plastic and a Z-Man. It's somewhere in that middle. Um, so I think that'll be a, a good option too as well today. So, and I'm going to be, this is the time of year, especially for me that I start stepping way down in my tackle. Um, so like stepping down to probably 14 pound fluoro, maybe even 10 or 12 pound fluoro, depending on exactly how clear the water is. But, um, you know, the last week, whenever I looked at it, the water was crystal clear you can see down 10 12 feet so um having that really light um fluorocarbon i think will be a make a good difference too heck yeah so mike last night i don't even know how i found this but i was just look i was looking for something uh on on the internet fishing fishing i think it was actually boat related i don't even remember what it was but i stumbled into this bait company called marker 54 
and they have okay. some very sick baits that I'm going to order some of, but they've got a, a shrimp that looks so much, it doesn't look like a DOA, but it's going to fish just like a DOA, but it's got a worm uh-huh. hook rigged backwards in it. So the eye is in the middle of the bait. So it's going to fish like a DOA, but when you twitch it, it's going to move backwards like a real shrimp. And it's kind of stiff looking like a DOA. They've got the red flake color. They've got a bunch of other really good colors. Then I'm looking at their website right now. Then you also have, they've got three different shrimp lures. That's called the jerk shrimp. Then they have the M54 glide shrimp, which is a very similar bait, but it's rigged with the hook eye coming out the head like a normal shrimp would be. Um, and it doesn't have the legs. It looks like a really good bait for like skipping and fishing for redfish. Then Mm -hmm. another really sick one is the hard plastic shrimp. So there's this, you you got to go look at these as soon as we hop off because they're, they're insane. But marker 54, you guys go check it out. Um, I wish I had some type of code for y'all or something, but I don't even, I've never even seen this company until last night, but their hard shrimp is for it's rigged for popping cork. So when, when you're not twitching and it's sitting underneath the cork, it, it's neutrally buoyant so that it sinks, but the tail is like all articulated, but it kind of moves and stays straight out and looks like a real shrimp. It's got a big treble underneath it. I mean, it is very, very cool baits. I think it's going to be, I'm about to order a bunch of this stuff. So go check it out. Marker 54. I promise this isn't some type of sponsored advertiser or anything like that. It's just a really cool bait company. I stumbled into last night that has stuff that's there. I feel like they're really trying to like fill a niche, like not create something that everyone else is creating, but doing something different. But um, go check them out, Mike. Yeah. They're they're pretty sweet. Heck yeah! I was just say they hold up any better than a DOA. That might be a a new staple in the box. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, at least it, it looks like the hook won't slide because it's weighted. It's belly weighted. Like it looks like it's gonna sink just like a DOA, like the way we like it. They've got the right yeah. color, but it looks like it might hold up a little bit better, which is good for us. Maybe not good for them. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I probably went through five hundred dollars in DOA shrimps this year. Yeah, I don't uh, even want to, I got to make another big order. Yeah, I mean, it's insane how many of those things we go through. So, I, if it holds up and such is just as good, what's the price on them? Price on the shrimp is like five, six bucks. I don't know how many it comes with, though. Hold on, let me see. The jerk shrimp. It's a two-pack for six ninety nine. so not a very good deal. Not a great deal, but not much. Not, I mean, really just about the same as a DOA by the time you get three rig DOAs are nine ninety nine. Yeah. So there's three dollars a piece, three thirty three a piece. So those are about the same. Less yeah. than four dollars a piece. So that's the nice thing about DOA is ordering the bulk packs and get them a little bit cheaper. But Yeah. Well I'm gonna say too, you can also order just the plastics from DOA once you spend as much money on shrimps as we do and you have hooks and weights and all that kind of stuff, you can get just the plastics and get them a lot cheaper. Definitely. So, Definitely. I'm going to, I'm going to have to reach out to this whole marker 54. They're pretty sweet, but well guys, we're going to wrap this podcast up. Mike, thanks for jumping on early with me and recording. Uh, like, like we said, we got some cool videos coming out. Keep an eye on YouTube for that. And we just really want to thank y'all for your support. Uh, this past year in 2022, we took a little bit of a break from the podcast with us moving and, and, uh, having some babies, but we're, uh, we're hitting it hard in 2023. Our goal is a, full-length podcast every week and our patreon page will have a ramp talk podcast each week on there where me and mike are or somebody else are we're talking on the way to the boat ramp in the morning about what we're going to be doing where we're finding fish how we're catching fish and that will be uh, only available on patreon one coming out each week and we're also going to be doing 
a YouTube fishing video each week. And we'd love to really, our goal is to try to put out two videos a week, a bait, like a, a tackle tip video, you know, a shorter five minute tackle tip video, and then a, you know, more full length on the water fishing video each week. But, but we're going to guarantee one video a week, no matter what, whether it's fishing or, or bait or, you know, tackle talk, but we're going to really shoot for that to be a fishing video each week. So <laughs> if something happens, if we get sick, you know, maybe it'll, we'll have to resort back to a bait fishing video, but or not a bait fishing, but a, a tackle talk video. But we're, uh, like I said, we're going to be pumping out a lot of content. We thank y'all so much for your support, Mike. Thanks for hopping on with me this morning and guys, we'll yes, see y'all in 2023 later.